Here we go. Welcome in. It is time for the Big 12 Football Week 1 Recap and Reaction Show. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks, as always, for being here, for joining us on heartlandcollegesports.com. Whether you're on the podcast, whether you're on YouTube, we also are on Instagram Live right now. So happy to have you guys on board. Uh, of course, the main broadcast is going to be YouTube and Facebook and then, of course, on the podcast. And we're trying to work this out as best we can on Instagram Live as well. So we're trying to make all four things work. We appreciate you joining us here. And I think it's working right now. No one's complaining just yet. So I think we got the whole thing operational as of uh, as of week one. So that's a good deal. So let me start off by saying uh, week one did not go as planned for the Big 12 Conference. That is very clear. You look at this first week and you say, okay, Baylor crapped themselves as a four-touchdown favorite. Uh, you had, obviously, TCU, a three-touchdown favorite, losing to Deion Sanders in Colorado. Um, on top of that, you had Texas Tech, double-digit favorite, losing at Wyoming. So it was not great by any stretch, top to bottom for the Big 12. West Virginia thought they might be hanging tough against Penn State. They lose by 23 points, don't cover the spread. Although James Franklin, what a, sheesh, just a, I, I don't want YouTube to censor me here. So I'm just going to say it was a douchey move of James Franklin to put up that last TD. I'm just going to leave it there. It's like James Franklin had money to cover the spread or something like that at 21. I don't know what he was going for there. But big picture, TCU fans are not going to like what I'm about to say here. But big picture, Saturday was great for the Big 12. Because Deion Sanders and Colorado proved that this is not a slapstick operation. Dylan Edwards is a guy who's a true freshman running back. I mean, forget Deion's kids and Travis Hunter and all that stuff. Dylan Edwards is a guy who was committed to Kansas State. Deion stole him from Derby, Kansas. True freshman. Ends up playing a huge role in that game, beating TCU and helping lead the way to a Colorado victory over the Horned Frogs in week one. Like, that's the kind of stuff that everyone's going to talk about Travis Hunter, but it's players like Dylan Edwards who are going to make a huge difference in Colorado and this experiment that Dion is doing with, like, 50 transfer players, a bunch from the HBCU at Jackson State that he was at. That's the kind of stuff that's going to make a big difference, and it did on Saturday. And the fact that Colorado is coming to the Big 12 next year is tremendous for this league. I guarantee you, TCU fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I guarantee you Brett Yormark is completely fine with how that game went on Saturday. The more hype for Dion, the better Colorado football plays, the better it is for the future branding of the Big 12. That's a fact. Big Noon kickoff is going to Colorado next week. I think they're playing Wisconsin, right? So like, that's the kind of game that Colorado would never be considered for. Big noon kickoff is going to be there. Next year, of course, that will be a Big 12 game. Not a conference game, but it'll be a Big 12 game. So that's where Brett Yormark is looking at the big picture. And Matthew Postens, our guy, wrote a great piece about this. It's on the website right now at heartlandcollegesports.com. That Saturday was not a bad day for Brett Yormark. Of course, he doesn't want to see Baylor you know, poop themselves against Texas State like they did. But Brett Yormark is looking big picture branding here. And he's got to be looking at that and saying, you know what? This is okay. Deion Sanders and Colorado getting a jump out of the gates, 
getting a lot of enthusiasm, publicity, that's good for the Big 12 long term. So from that perspective, if you're looking at the 35,000-foot view, um, it was a good day for the Big 12. Meantime, uh, the not-so-good, and, and we'll go through it all, but of course the not-so-good was the three Texas schools from the hateful eight, as we used to call them. TCU, who we just talked about, who, I mean, the defense was atrocious. I wasn't as, people are upset about Kendall Bryles. It's like the guy put up 42 points. If you score 40 points, you should feel pretty darn good about winning the game. I'm not going to put this on Kendall Bryles. The defense was atrocious for TCU. And that was a concern that a lot of us had coming into the season. Um, meantime, on top of that, you look at Baylor. I mean, Baylor losing to Texas State as four touchdown favorites is horrendous. And I know it's very early. You can't overreact to week one. But I had Baylor finishing 11th in the Big 12 in my preseason show that I did here. And a lot of you got on me for it. And that's okay. There's plenty of things I'll be wrong about. But um, I had Baylor finishing in the bottom four in the league. And the offensive line was a big reason why. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why, but that was a major reason why. And I'm not all that high on Blake Shapin. And you saw Baylor just look like a bad football team on Saturday against Texas State. I mean, I, I'm not that Blake Shapin had an awful game, but I'm not sitting here all that high on Blake Shapin being a legitimate Power 5 quarterback. I haven't been. If he couldn't do it last year with that offensive line, what leads me to believe he's going to do it this year? That was as bad as it gets for, uh, for Baylor in that game as a four-touchdown favorite. So, I mean, that was just atrocious. And does it mean that Dave Aranda's on the hot seat? No. But here's what I did say before the season. I did my hot seat rankings, and I had Dave Aranda in the simmer category. So I had Red Hot, which was Neil Brown. We'll get to him. I had hot seats, and then I had simmer. And I had Dave Aranda in the simmer category. Because last year, Baylor should... I thought that Baylor was the best team in the Big 12 with what they had coming back after winning a Big 12 title. They went 500. They barely got to a bowl game. If this year turns out the way I think it will for Baylor, then Dave Aranda should be on a hot seat. Not that Dave Aranda's not a great guy, um, but... You know, if this year he ends up going, I don't know, three and nine, four and eight, then it's not that he's going to lose his job. He'll get another year. He should, but his seat will be hot. You just lost to Texas State. So, you know, I, I, that is worth watching. His seat's not hot, but it's simmering. I'll leave it at that. And Saturday did not help one bit. Um, and then you had Texas Tech and Wyoming. Now, you go to Wyoming, it's an underrated, a tough place to play. There's no doubt about that. But Texas Tech losing that game after leading 17-0 in the first quarter, it's like they just took their foot off the pedal. I mean, it's crazy. You look at how this game started. Three and out for Wyoming. Touchdown, six plays, 76 yards for Texas Tech. Then Wyoming fumbles on its first play. Texas Tech, two plays, 26 yards, touchdown, 14-0, boom couple of punts, another fumble by Wyoming. Tech knocks through a field goal, and, you know, it's 17-zip. Off to the races. And then it starts to fall apart. Wyoming gets a field goal. Shuck throws an interception. Wyoming scores a touchdown. 
and then Texas Tech misses a field goal to close out the half, and it's a game at 17-10. And then by now, you know what happened in the second half. You know what happened in overtime, but Texas Tech scoring three points in the second half. I mean, some people are blaming the elevation. It's just, I mean, and, and missed field goals, of course, you can blame. Absolutely, you can blame missed field goals and, you know, blocked field goals and everything else, but, man... There is so much that went wrong, and it just seemed like at 17 nothing, Texas Tech started taking that game for granted. And they shouldn't have taken that game for granted, as obviously we learned in hindsight. There was no reason for Texas Tech to take that game for granted. Now, that being said, of these three teams, TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech, the one I feel the best about is still by far Texas Tech. I had TCU finishing in the bottom half of the Big 12 this year, and I think that's going to be the case based on what I saw on Saturday against Colorado. So all in all, uh, there is a lot of room to improve for all of these teams. They had awful Saturdays, and um, you know they're going to have to bounce back in a big way here coming up in Week 2. Now, uh, let's go to the most compelling game of the week, at least the game that actually meant something in terms of the future of the program at least in the short term, I should say, and that would be Penn State, West Virginia. You know, this is the problem for West Virginia right now. First off, Neil Brown cannot sell the fan base on more time. Neil Brown has been given plenty of time. The transfer portal creates an environment that you don't need four years, five years to rebuild a program. You just don't. West Virginia's problem is they haven't had a quarterback since Will Greer. Jared Dagey stunk fast forward to today. And, you know, Garrett Green seems like a really good guy. He's tough. He's not a big dude, but he's willing to, um, you know, at 5'11", 200 pounds, he's willing to take a hit. I respect that about Garrett Green. But do I think that Garrett Green is a guy who's going to win at a high level in a Power 5 conference? No. And I've seen enough to feel like I have the answer to that question and there's not much more to say either on that front. I, You know, here's the thing. West Virginia's offense, outside of its quarterback, which obviously is like the most important position in football, so <laughs> to be like, the offense is great outside of the quarterback isn't a good sign. But the Mountaineers have a very good offensive line. You saw them get a lot of interior push in this game against a very good Penn State defense on Saturday. C.J. Donaldson has a chance to be the best running back in the Big 12 and all is said and done. I love that guy. Coming off of the injury last year, he looked really good on Saturday night against an outstanding defense that knew they had a quarterback they were facing who couldn't beat him down the field. Donaldson still had, you know, 18 carries for 81 yards. The receiving core, Devin Carter, the NC State transfer, is a big dude, big body. Like him a lot based on what I saw. He could be the best or the most talented wide receiver that West Virginia's had since the Will Greer era, the Dana Holgerson years. Could be. I'm not guaranteeing it, but he could be. But then you get to the quarterback. And if you're a West Virginia fan, you got to be pulling your hair out, saying we feel like we have a lot of good pieces on offensive line and you know, in the backfield than at wide receiver. But you just don't have the quarterback. I mean, Garrett Green, yes, he scrambles well. He's got good wheels. 
but you just have no fear that this guy is going to hit a big pass down the field. He was missing 10-yard slant routes by like, you know, five feet on some of the wide receivers, some of the plays on Saturday night. I mean, that's, that's not what you want to be seeing from a Power 5 quarterback who's now in his second year starting who you had high hopes for. So I know it's a top 10 defense. It doesn't mean Neil Brown's going anywhere next week. But between that and the way the secondary played against Penn State and the defense at large, I mean, yes, they were in the game early, and it was exciting for the first half. But after that, it unraveled uh, pretty quickly. There's no denying that for West Virginia and Penn State. So we'll have to keep an eye on Neil Brown, whose seat obviously gets hotter by the week. Um, and, you know, we'll see how they bounce back against Duquesne. And then it's Pitt, Texas Tech, TCU, Houston. So it's going to be tough once they get the Big 12 play there in Morgantown. Um, a, a positive storyline we have to look at here is the new four teams. They all had themselves very good week once. UCF looked damn good. Now, once again, I know it's Kent State, but hey, I mean, look at some other Big 12 teams, right? To say, well, it's just Kent State. Okay, yeah, it's just Kent State, but still played a darn good game. So UCF rushed for 389 yards in their season opener. I mean, that should not get overlooked by any stretch of the imagination. Johnny Richardson looks like the real deal in the backfield. Dude's real good. Um, Then you have to go to, as you look at some of the new four teams in the Big 12, you go to Houston, which, by the way, Houston was an underdog against UTSA, and they won a 17-14 game. If you told me that Houston would only score 17 points in this game against UTSA, I would have told you they would have lost by a touchdown or two. They won the game. The Houston defense was the star of that game. I'm not sold on Donovan Smith. I mean, I saw a lot of him at Texas Tech, obviously. Uh, And he's got lesser talent around him. But the defense in particular was impressive for the Houston Cougars. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. So Houston won as an underdog over the weekend. Cincinnati blows out Eastern Kentucky. And I know you're going to say once again, well, it's Eastern Kentucky. Okay, fine. It's Eastern Kentucky. But you know what? They blew them out and it was never close. And the Emory Jones connection with uh, Xavier Henderson, two guys who were teammates two years ago at Florida and transferred to Cincinnati, that could be one of the better quarterback wide receiver duos in the Big 12. If they keep rolling from how they looked on Saturday, Jones threw for 345 yards and five touchdowns. And Henderson had a career-high 149 receiving yards in a score. And you know that for Cincinnati, the defensive line, the front seven in general, is going to be a strength. So maybe we're underrating, undervaluing Cincinnati. And then BYU in the late game. It wasn't pretty, but hey, 14-0 win against Sam Houston State. You take it, you run with it, and um, you move on to week two if you're BYU. So the four new teams, I'm not going to overreact to anything in week one, but I will say the four new teams for uh, the Big 12 had themselves good weeks. We thought there would be this transition phase. I still think there will be when all is said and done. But in what was a tough week for the Big 12 on the field, purely on the field, uh, you can't blame it on any of the four new teams. They all looked pretty darn good. Uh, So you have to give them that, and you got to feel good about that if you're a fan of any of these four new teams. Now, what have we not touched on yet? 
from Saturday. Well, uh, Kansas gets it done. Uh, the, the most important thing coming out of Kansas's game against Missouri State is that Jalen Daniels didn't play. Jason Bean took care of business, threw for 276 yards. Devin Neal rushed for 100. And most importantly, Kansas, we found out earlier today on Sunday, is getting its Big 12 preseason player of the year, Jalen Daniels, quarterback, back for week two against Illinois. That's the most important thing coming out of uh, the weekend for the Kansas Jayhawks. You will get back your preseason Big 12 quarterback of the year in week two against a tough Illinois team. This is um, not going to be an easy game by any stretch for the Jayhawks. Um, Also, what have we not touched on? Oh, we haven't. uh, You know what? Let's talk about this. Oklahoma State, the quarterback situation at Oklahoma State. This is fascinating for better or for worse. So Oklahoma State beat Central Arkansas 27-13. to And a lot of Oklahoma State fans are not happy about the fact that three quarterbacks played. You had uh, Garrett Rangel get the start. He threw for a touchdown and threw one interception. Alan Bowman, the former Texas Tech and Michigan quarterback, then played 13-24 for 80 yards. And then Gunnar Gundy came in. And Gunnar Gundy comes in and, um, you know, he ran the offense pretty effectively. Seven for nine, 106 yards. And of the three, he did have the highest QBR. Now, a lot of Oklahoma State fans are not happy with Mike Gundy supposedly using some nepotism in allowing Gunnar Gundy to run the offense. Now, I I don't know why Gunnar Gundy got in there. It was a 13-7 lead for Oklahoma State. And by the way, he led him to a couple of second-half touchdowns. A nine-play, 93-yard drive that took four minutes off the clock. A uh, six-play, 78-yard drive that took another two and a half minutes off the clock. Uh, You know, Gunnar Gundy, when it comes to running the offense, I know he's technically the walk-on, but, you know, he had himself a decent game. So I'm not going to sit here and freak out about the fact that Gunnar Gundy got some reps. I don't think that's all that big of a deal. And I think he proved himself. I don't think Mike Gundy knows what he wants to do at quarterback. And I don't think Mike Gundy knows what he's got at quarterback either. I think that's something that has to be brought up here. He doesn't know which one of these guys is best suited to be his starting quarterback. So he's got a Central Arkansas team he felt like he could beat no matter who was playing quarterback. So he said, you know what, I'm going to play all three. I'm going to play Rangel, I'm going to play Bowman, and I'm going to play, yes, my son. But take out the he's Mike Gundy's son thing if you can. Try to remove the game, the name Gundy and realize that of the three, he technically, I would say, ran the offense the best. So I, I'm not going to get caught up in this game of nepotism and say, ah, you know, Gunnar Gundy is uh, just playing because he's daddy's boy. I I don't know. Thought he looked pretty good running the offense. So I've got no problem with that. And Mike Gundy's trying to figure out what the heck he's got there at quarterback. But um, I am not um, going to get bent out of shape over that. Meantime, uh, let's see. What have we not touched on yet? Oh, Kansas State rolling Southeast Missouri State. Not a lot to say outside of, you know, Will Howard picking up where he left off. So that's pretty cool. And you got to look at Will Howard and say, sheesh. I mean, the guy, (laughs) he caught a touchdown, he ran for a touchdown, and he threw a touchdown. I've long said if I need to win one game in the Big 12, 
Today, who am I taking at quarterback? It's Will Howard. Every single time, it is Will Howard. And he proved that on Saturday in Kansas State. You know, no issues, no scares like some of the other teams. They rolled to a win, and there's not much more to say outside of you feel good about it. If you're a Kansas State fan, you have to feel good about it. And uh, then you get Troy at Mizzou, and then before you know it, it's Big 12 play. So I've got Kansas State winning the Big 12 this year, and at least after one week, I have no reason to not feel just as good about where the Wildcats are trying to repeat as Big 12 champs. Iowa State having no issues with Northern Illinois. Maybe a bit of a shocker based on the history between these two teams. But either way, Rocco Beck got the start at quarterback over J.J. Cole. 10 of 13, couple of touchdowns, 113 yards. All right, you feel good about him and what you got there for now, of course, knowing what's happened this offseason. So the freshmen look good. Um, And then, you know, for Iowa State, it was just – have one of these games. Here was the big thing. Have one of these games for Iowa State. That way, you just feel like the offseason is behind you. That's it. You just want to put this whole offseason behind you if you're Iowa State. And that's exactly what they did on Saturday. They didn't have one of these scares against Northern Iowa that Iowa State seems to have far too often in week ones. They took care of business. Did it early, by the way. Jumped out to a 14-0 lead. It was 25 or, what, 23 zip at the half. And, uh, you know, they rolled to a victory. And the defense looked very good, which was never really a concern. But when you rack up five sacks and nearly 10 tackles for loss, um, you're in good shape. So, all in all, very good. Um, trying to think anything else for Iowa State. But nothing really comes to mind. Heck, even the special teams, my goodness. The special teams for Iowa State look good. <laughs> so I know a lot of you are like, oh, my, the, the special teams. Yes, the special teams look good for, uh, for Iowa State. So you got to be happy about that. All in all, you feel good about that after week one before, of course, Cyhawk coming up this weekend. And then the two teams we have not touched on, Oklahoma and Texas. OU rolling Arkansas State. 73 zip once again supposed to do that but uh, you know anytime you do it you feel good about it Dylan Gabriel looked great 19 of 22 300 plus yards um a ton of players getting to see reps I mean my goodness between guys touching the ball in the backfield you had almost 10 guys getting rushes you had another nine or ten guys um getting catches, a ton of guys playing on defense. I think I saw something that said Brent Venables played like 70-something guys in this game, something crazy. So that's what it's good for in this game for OU. Um, you know, you got to feel good about it, but uh, we'll see what it all means. They got SMU and Tulsa in the non-conference. So I don't think we're going to find out a lot about this team until at Cincinnati to open up Big 12 play Uh in week four. That's when we'll learn more about OU. And then Texas. You know, Texas started off slow. And I, I'm not nearly as high on Texas as others are. But they beat Rice, of course, 37-10. to It was really 37-3 to after three quarters when Texas called things off. Um, Quinn Ewers was, I didn't think he was all that impressive. I know you're going to see the stat line and be like 260 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. But I I. Didn't think he looked like the best quarterback in the Big 12. I didn't think he looked like an All-American. I didn't think any of that um, for for Quinn Ewers. So 
I, I'm kind of, once again, thinking he's good, but I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. That's how I see it. And the defense was what you would hope for against a team like Rice. So, And by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but JT Daniels was the starting quarterback for Rice in this game. So uh, Big 12 fans are going to be like, oh, yeah, JT Daniels. Played last year at West Virginia. JT Daniels was a former, I think, five-star prospect. Spent two years at USC, two years at Georgia, a year at West Virginia, and this year he's at Rice. His sixth year of college football for JT Daniels. I mean, that is unbelievable. Sheesh, crazy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right, uh, let's get to some of your comments here on YouTube Live and on... um, YouTube Live and Facebook as well is where we're at right now streaming. We're also on Instagram Live, so be sure to share the videos in any of those places. Uh, Michael writes, fire Neil Brown, Mr. Conservative playing not to lose again. Well, I thought, you know, there was – he went for it on quite a few fourth downs when the game was up in the air in the first half and third quarter, as I recall. I I thought – I didn't come away feeling like the game plan was the problem for West Virginia. I came away feeling like they don't have a quarterback who can win at this level. That's how I came out of that game feeling. Tyler asks, uh, defending Big 12 champs, K-State look good. What do you think about them running it back? Well, Tyler, I think they're going to win the Big 12 again this year. That was my preseason uh, prediction. Do, do, do. So I, I feel very good about Kansas State. Um, Pete, OU is about to get beat by SMU. I, let's, let's pump the brakes here. Let's pump the brakes. <laughs> Iowa State special teams greatly improved. That's from Don. Absolutely, Don. I mean, you got to be – if you're an Iowa State fan, if there's been one critique of the Matt Campbell era, it's been what? It has been the special teams. And um, the special teams in week one against Northern Iowa, you have to feel very good about right? So that's that's a sigh of relief. Iowa State fans of anybody should be feeling a major sigh of relief coming out of that game. Thank you guys, as always, for being here. Hey, before you go, now's the time of year to do it. The Heartland College Sports Koozies are up. They are uh, ready for you. Just send me a screenshot of a rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll hook you up. Thanks to some of the ratings and reviews I've seen on iTunes here as of late. Uh, this comes from AFKSU love heartland, best pig 12 podcast out there. Thank you very much for that. This from, uh, mad Senba on iTunes last week, best big 12 pod out there. Lots of weekly content. Georgia writes fun show. Great podcast for all the big 12, 14, 16 teams. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We're moving around a lot. So anyway, thank you guys for doing that. It's a great way to help this show grow on the podcast and subscribe on YouTube, share it on Facebook, and share it on Instagram. We so appreciate you guys being here and uh, being a part of the show. As always, share it, like it, subscribe, and we'll be here this week with plenty more content because Big 12 football is back, baby. I'm Pete Mundo with Heartland College Sports. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.